Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part two and the conclusion of his teaching on Kings in Darkness. This morning, we're talking about Kings in Darkness. This is the second and the final episode in this series. And I'm kind of sad to see it go because these truths are so important. I want to cement them in the heart of everybody here that's listening to my words. Amen. Kings in Darkness, Part 2. And as I said last week when we introduced this series, the origin of this message was a vision that I had on the morning of September 19th. And in that vision, I was standing right here in this sanctuary, and I looked to the back, and somehow or another, I was able to see through the blockhouse and see the very back of the facility, and I saw men and women that were sitting on thrones, and the thrones lined the left side and the back side and the right side of the facility. And I thought that was awesome. The only thing was, all the lights were off, and these people were sitting on thrones in complete darkness. I came out of the vision and I began to pray in the spirit. I said, Lord, you got to show me the meaning of this vision. I'm sensing in my spirit. This is a very important word for the church, for my church. Amen. So show me, Lord. So I spent the better part of the day praying in the Holy Ghost. And in the early afternoon, the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. He said, my people are kings, but they're sitting in darkness and they don't know that they're kings. They don't see themselves as kings, and they need to see themselves as kings because I made them to be kings, and I made them to reign in this life. Amen. I got really excited because the word dominion has been circulating in my spirit for about a year, and I finally connected the dots. The Lord is trying to tell me you got to emphasize dominion if you're going to be a king in this life. Amen. Hallelujah. So... I was delighted to dig into the word and prepare this message for you because you were created to be kings and you were created to reign in life. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you were created to be a king in this life. You were created to reign in this life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me begin with some of our core scriptures that we've been sharing Romans chapter 5 verse 17 in the King James Version for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ can I get an amen amen so let me read it to you in the living Bible the sin of this one man Adam Cause death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Did you get that? You were made to be a king in life. But the first step to becoming a king in life is receiving the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness which Jesus Christ extended to you through his finished work. Amen. Amen. And if you're born again, if you're in Christ, the Bible says you're a new creation in Him. Amen. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 in the New King James Version. You're familiar with this, but you need to hear it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Amen. Listen, when you got born again, I don't have time to teach on spirit, soul, and body, but one-third of your being, your spirit, your old dead spirit got yanked out and God put a new live spirit on the inside of you. Now, I don't confess to completely understand the mechanics of how that happens, but I believe the Word of God. One-third of your being, when you got born again, became a new creation in all respects. And the Bible says, and all things pertaining to that spirit man are now made of God stuff. <laughs> all things are of God. Amen. In fact, Ephesians 4.24 says, You have been created in righteousness and true holiness, just like God. There's a person on the inside of you that is just like God. Listen to me preach at you. That person always wants to walk in love. That person always wants to do the right thing. That person always speaks the truth in love. That person always wants to pray, always wants to read his Bible, always wants to worship God, always wants to go to church, always wants to use the gifts and talents that God has given him for the church and for the world. That person lives on the inside of you. Now, I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. The challenge of the Christian life is getting that person to show up on the outside. Isn't that right? Because we got the remnant of the old man that tries to rise up and be that ugly old man that he is. But there's another place in the Bible that says, put off the old man and put on the new man. Now, I feel led to go here for two reasons, because it's instructive and it's funny. My wife and I have had this discussion many times. You know, we think it's funny that if we're going to argue, there's a good bet that it'll happen on the way to church. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so we'll sit in the parking lot and she says, I can't go in right now because I'm still mad at you. And I'll say something like, you know, we got to get this right because people are looking to us for leadership. I'm afraid if I go in right now, people will see the real me. And we've had this argument many times, and I turn to her and I say, well, that depends on what you consider to be the real me. According to what I just read to you, the real you is made just like God in righteousness and true holiness, and he ain't ugly. He don't say mean things to his spouse. Amen. So I maintain that if you put on that man, it's all right for people to see the real you because that's the real you. It's not putting on airs. It's walking by faith. It's acting like the man on the inside. And if you do it long enough, it'll eventually change the way you walk and talk and live. Amen. Amen. I want people to see the real me. I don't want them to see the remnant of the old man. Amen. So get your terminology right there. Glory to God. I saw a lot of head shaking looking at some of the married couples about arguing on the way to church. 
Now we got to put on the holy persona and get out of the car. Glory to God, brother, sister. How you doing this morning? Amen. I'm sensing by the laughter, it's a laughter of recognition. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody's been there. Glory to God. But listen, I want you to know that you're more than just a new creation. There's more. You're a new creation which never before existed. And there is no precedent for that person. That's amazing. You're a new creation made with king's DNA. The DNA of our elder brother Jesus Christ, king of kings and lord of lords, now resides on the inside of you and me. Amen. And that gets me excited. Hallelujah. As hard as it is for me to get my arms around, that gets me excited because it means there's hope for me. If that kind of power and that kind of life and that kind of love lives on the inside of me, there's hope for me. That's why Paul said, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. It's time we realize who we are and it's time we started acting like kings in this life. Amen. Not like beggars, but like kings. Hallelujah. We were made to be kings, so we might as well start acting like who we were made to be. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. The preach is on me, and you're just going to have to wait until it wears off. <laughs> Glory to God. Genesis 1:26 in the King James Version, another one of our core scriptures. I want to read it again. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Amen. The living Bible says that first phrase like this. Then God said, let us make a man, someone like ourselves, to be the master of all life. Amen. Did you know you were made to be the master of all life? Did you know you were made to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath? You were made to live above the circumstances, not under them. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. God intended for us to be masters of all life. You were made to establish dominion just like God and just like a king. Amen. But in order to reign as kings in life, you have to know that you're a king. Galatians 4.1 in the New King James Version, another one of our core scriptures. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. The King James says, though he be lord of all. What this verse is saying is that an heir who doesn't know he is master or lord of all is no different than a slave. If he remains childlike in his understanding, if he doesn't know he was made to reign in life as a king, he might be master and lord of all, but it's really not going to have any impact in his life. Amen? He will remain a slave to this world system, bowled over by the challenges and the circumstances of life and every demonic spirit that tries to dominate him. Amen? But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to bring us abundant life 
so that we could reign as kings in life. Amen. There was a reason behind what he did. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 in the New King James Version. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I tell you, there's scriptures in the Bible that are just loaded. This one is loaded. There's a lot being said here that's not obvious on a surface reading. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything that man lost in the fall was recovered by the finished work of Jesus Christ in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Amen. Adam went from king of the world to the slave of Satan because he disobeyed God. Amen. But Jesus came to restore man to his rightful place in dominion and authority so that he could reign in life and live the abundant life that Jesus paid for. Amen. Glory to God. Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Don't you want to live the abundant life? Well, you got to learn to reign as a king in this life. you got to learn to see yourself in a different light. You see, those people in my vision, they were sitting on thrones and they didn't even realize they were kings because they couldn't see themselves that way. you got to see yourself the way God created you to be. Amen. Glory to God, I feel the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, 8, the last part of the verse says, and this is New King James Version, for this purpose... The Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. I love the militant Jesus, you know. The kick butt and take names Jesus. I like that one. Amen. Sometimes you need to loose that Jesus out of your inner man. Amen. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And He came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. You could say it like this as a former military officer. I like to say it like this. Jesus came on a search and destroy mission. Amen. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He did all that so that man could be restored to his rightful place of dominion and authority. John chapter 10, verse 10, New King James Version. The thief, now I'm just letting you know right now, Jesus used that word as a metaphor for the devil. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his mission elements. You know, we read our mission elements. That's his. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. As kings, we're called to enforce Satan's defeat. Right now, he's putting stuff on people because he's operating as an outlaw in this world. He was whipped. He was defeated. He was conquered. There's no excuse for not enforcing that and standing up and saying, Not another step, devil. I've got dominion over you. Even if the devil himself appears to you and tries to put something on you, you have all authority to put him down underneath your feet in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. As kings, I say it again, we're called to enforce Satan's defeat so that we can live the abundant life that Jesus planned for us. Amen. Let me shift a little bit to some practical things here. As you face the challenges of life, sometimes there's a time to pray. And sometimes there's a time to say. And other times there's a time to act. Now, I'm not against praying, especially when we face the challenges of this life. But there are times when prayer may not be required or when it's time to stop praying and start saying, amen? Sooner or later, there will come a time when you're facing an obstacle, when you're facing a challenge, when you got to stand up and release the word of God out of your mouth into that situation, amen? Glory to God. Like I said, there's a time to pray, and then there's a time to get up and say amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we'll have to stand, and sometimes you'll have to take a step of faith. Amen. A step that demonstrates that you really believe that the words that came out of your mouth will come to pass. Action is required many times. I like the example of David and Goliath. Man, I love it. 1 Samuel 17. It's just so rich. If you read it, it says that David, after invoking the name of his God, he told Goliath, I'm going to take your head off your shoulders and I'm going to feed it to the birds and I'm going to do the same thing to the army that's standing behind you. And then the Bible says after he said those things, he ran towards the giant. With a sling and five smooth stones in his bag. Would you like to know why that's significant? You've probably heard this before, but it bears repeating. There was one for Goliath's father. And there was one for Goliath. And there was three more for his brothers. He was saying, I'm going to take your head off your shoulders. And if I have to, your father and your brothers too. And also the entire Philistine army, I'm going to feed their carcasses to the birds. And after he said all those bold words, 17-year-old boy, peaches and cream complexion. Goliath disdained him, said, who am I that you're sending me this youth with a stick coming at me? And he cursed David by his gods, and then David cursed him by his God. And listen, he ran toward the giant. Sometimes you got to take a step of faith to show that you believe the words that you just said will come to pass. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I believe the story of David and Goliath is an Old Testament type of using the name of Jesus. Amen? He invoked the name of his God. Then he said what was going to happen. He ran toward the giant, hit him with a sling between the eyes. And the Bible makes it clear, if you read it out, that that stone killed him. Then he took his head off. Some people preach it that he was knocked and he was dazed and confused. And while he was dazed and confused, David went and cut his head off. But if you read it carefully... 
He said, listen, I did this so that you couldn't say that a sword won this victory. It was a stone between your eyes. Whoo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Another Old Testament type of using the name of Jesus is found when Moses and the Israelites were facing the Red Sea with the Egyptian army bearing down hard on them from behind. They have nowhere to go. If you study out the geography, there was mountains on the left and mountains on the right, the sea in the front, and the Egyptians behind them. Amen. Proverbial rock in a hard place. Amen. Listen to what the Bible says in Exodus 14, verse 15 and 16, and then verse 20 and 21 in the New King James Version. I love this. So stay with me so you understand the type here. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Amen. Then you go on down to verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. Amen. Can you imagine walking through a valley where the walls on either side are water walls? Glory to God. Do you know how much power and energy, potential energy there must have been in those walls of water? All God had to do was remove his hand and all that power was coming down on whoever was in the way. Amen. You know the rest of that story. Amen. Moses was praying when he should have been leading the people forward. Amen. He was bawling and squalling. The people were bawling and squalling. And if you read between the lines, Moses must have said a prayer about this is what the people are saying. And God said, in effect, quit bawling and squalling. Lead the people forward. Do what you know to do. What do you have in your hand? God told him to lift up his rod and stretch out his hand over the Red Sea. Listen to me. The Apostle Paul called Jesus the root or offspring of Jesse. That's in Romans 15, 12, which is a quote from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 11. Jesse was King David's father, and King David was the forefather of Jesus. So that rod was a type of the root or offspring of Jesse, it was a type of the name of Jesus. And Moses was applying the name of Jesus to the Red Sea in front of him. He held out that rod, and the sea parted on the left and the right in response to the name of Jesus. Amen. Now he was in a position to lead the people forward, and that's exactly what happened. Hallelujah. Moses was applying the name of Jesus to the Red Sea, and when he did, the Red Sea parted. The Israelites crossed over safely, and then the sea closed in on their enemies behind them. Amen. The horse and the rider cast into the sea. Amen. All of this is a perfect segue into the New Testament realization that this type foreshadowed. And it's a scripture that you probably never heard of. 
Mark 11, 23, and 24. Now, I like it in the King James. I cannot bear to put it in any other translation because years ago, 30 years ago, I memorized it in the King James. And to me, it just doesn't have the power that the King James has in other translations. Amen? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Amen. Evidently, according to Jesus, speaking to the mountains and the red seas in our life is a part of prayer. It's a type of prayer. Amen. You're communicating to the atmosphere what you believe, and God is in agreement. Amen. Hallelujah. All of heaven backs you when you say the word of God, when you use the name of Jesus. All of heaven says, we're behind you. Go ahead and declare. Go ahead and decree and step out there and take a move of faith. Amen. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but it gives me confidence to know that all of heaven backs me when I use the name of Jesus. Amen. It's a valid way of declaring and decreeing. Listen, when you speak to your mountains, when you speak to your Red Seas, it's a valid way of declaring and decreeing that you believe you receive the answer to the prayers that you prayed. Amen. And although it's not specifically mentioned in this passage, I can guarantee you that Jesus expects you to say and then do something in response that demonstrates your faith. Take an appropriate step of faith. Amen. I'll give you an example. Years ago, my knees, mostly my right, but sometimes my left, when I would be walking up down steps, my knees would just give way. Just kind of like that. And just, you know, not really stumbling, but enough to trouble me. So I asked the Lord what to do. And he said, take an appropriate step of faith. So you know what I did? I included squats in my workout. And I cranked up the weight. And I did a lot of reps. You know why? Because it hurt when I got to a certain point on my right knee. And listen, listen, I'm hardcore, folks. I'm just, I'm not saying follow me, but I'm just saying I'm hardcore. If Jesus says I'm healed, I'm healed. If the word says I'm healed, I'm healed. And so over a period of months, I increased the weight and the reps that I did and my squats. I'm not saying I didn't do squats before, but I put more emphasis on the squats. And over a period of months, all of a sudden, all of that pain and all of that giving way of the knees never happened again. Why? Because I went to the weight room acting like someone who did not have knee problems. If I went to an orthopedic surgeon, I guarantee you he would have said, stop lifting weights, especially squats and deadlift, which is what I do now. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes there's the wisdom of the world, and sometimes there's the Word of God, and I choose the Word of God every time. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, I don't know why I'm sharing this. Somebody needs to hear this. I did the same thing when it came to my shoulders. 
I started doing pull-ups and doing some upper body exercises and my shoulders started popping and giving me pain. Guess what I did? I learned from the last time something like that happened to me with my knees. I increased the weight that I did on my military press and I increased the repetitions. And I pushed through the pain. And over a period of months, no more clicking, no more pain in my shoulders. Never, ever has it come back again. Why? Because I acted like somebody who did not have malfunctioning shoulders. Amen. Glory to God. You can call me hardcore if you want to, but some of you need to get hardcore against some of the things that are coming against your body. Hallelujah. And stand up and act like you're a king in life. Reign in over those things. Not just servant to those things. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Kings issue decrees and kings declare what must come to pass. Amen. Job twenty two twenty eight in the Amplified Classics says it like this. Listen, this is Jesus talking to you, urging you to be a king in life, even though it's from the Old Testament book of Job. You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Amen. Start declaring, start decreeing over troubled areas of your life and expect God's favor to shine on that part of your life until you see complete victory. Amen. Do what you know to do as a step of faith and expect God to do the rest. Amen. But listen, don't, don't shrink back from declaring and decreeing. You know, sometimes it makes your skin crawl when you get up there and you speak to mountains and you speak to Red Seas and you speak to inanimate objects and you speak to your body like I do. Pain, leave my body in Jesus' name. Swelling, stiffness, leave my body in Jesus' name. Flexibility, come back. Strength, come back in my joints. Amen. In my fingers, in Jesus' name. Blood sugar, be normal in Jesus' name. Blood pressure, be normal in Jesus' name. You know, a couple of years ago, my blood pressure started inching upward. And it got my attention. And so I began to speak to my blood pressure. Blood pressure, you be normal. You be below normal in Jesus' name. I just had a physical two weeks ago. And I got the lab work back. And, of course, as a part of the lab work, they take three measurements of your blood pressure. 106 over 67 was the average. Of three. I don't have high blood pressure because I didn't act like I had high blood pressure. I spoke to it and it obeyed me in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, part of that is praying in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit all the time. You ask my daughters. Growing up in the house, in the forest household, Daddy would wander around the house, sometimes in his underwear, praying in the Holy Ghost. And they just got used to it. And when they had friends over, they would say, that's just the way that dad is. He, it'll be all right. Now, I didn't pray in my underwear in front of their friends. I just, I want to clarify that, amen. But I would pray in the spirit. And I would speak the word of God. And I did so in a way that was, I thought, perfectly normal for my household. Isn't that right, Steph? Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. It all depends on how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as a king or do you see yourself as a servant to the world, the flesh, and the devil? 
Do you see yourself as a beggar in life? Or do you see yourself as the king that God created you to be? You know, some people got this poverty mindset, this low life mindset. You know, I'm just a worm. Just save, just save a room in the corner of a cabin in glory land for me. When the Bible says, I got a mansion for you. He didn't say nothing about the corner of a cabin in glory land. Amen. That's religious nonsense. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That is a contradiction of terms. You are one or the other. You're either a sinner or you're saved. Amen. Amen. You were a sinner. If you're born again, you were a sinner. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, whether you believe it or not. Amen. Man, I know to a large extent I'm preaching to the choir, but I think I'm also giving you a shot in the arm. Some of you needed a shot in the arm in this morning, and this is the message that you needed this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It all depends on how you see yourself. Do you consider yourself a victim to the challenges and the adverse circumstances of life? You know, we got a culture today in America that celebrates victimhood. And all that does is it keeps people in that victim state. Amen. Don't be like that. See yourself the way God sees you. As a king in this life. Destined to reign in this life. And also as we shared last week. Destined to reign in the next life. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you see yourself as a master of all life? Listen, I know it's kind of heady and it's kind of grandiose, but it's in the Bible, folks. We got two options. We can either believe it or not. We can act on it or not. Amen. If you see yourself as a master of all life, if you see yourself as a king in life, if you do, you will make decrees and you will make declarations over your life and your circumstances and you'll do it often. Amen. Now, I want to share a real quick testimony. I want to get this in. Amen. We'll wrap it up with this. Amen. Back in 1997, Trisha and I were children's ministers at Word of Life Center in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I was still flying for the Air Force Reserve. It was still a big part of my life. I enjoyed it. God was the one who told me to leave the Marines active duty and continue to fly with the Air Force Reserve so that I could dedicate my life to ministry, but still fly on the side. It's a long story, but we had just returned to Barksdale Air Force Base there in Bossier City, right next to Shreveport, Louisiana, and uh, just returned to the reserves uh, from an ill-advised assignment to Columbus, Mississippi. Amen? Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi. And I have to tell you, I have to confess to you, we were totally out of the will of God, and it was my fault. My family followed me someplace we were never supposed to go. But anyway, we came back to Barksdale after a year and three months, and there was a wing commander there who resented the fact that I left in the first place because he was grooming me to be a squadron commander, and I left all of that favor and all of that glory behind me to go pursue this sexy jet that I wanted to fly. Listen, you know, pilots can relate to this. You know, there are jets that that you can lust after. And it, it, listen, I don't, don't want you to get the wrong impression. Uh, I, I just, you know, 
I felt the need for speed. Amen. That's Top Gun talk. Anyway, anyway, I flew the jet, but there were jets that almost fell out of the sky right underneath me. I had engines that ran completely out of oil, and they have no idea why the engine continued to run. I had engine failures. I had all kind of malfunctions. I had one of the guys that flew with me. He says, gee, it, it's almost like God is trying to tell you something. I'm like, yes, he is. But I didn't get the memo until a year and three months into all this trouble. But anyway, so we're back at Barksdale, and now I'm on the bad boy list with the wing commander. And I'm back, and he don't want me back. And he pretty much told me, listen, I'm going to do everything in my power to see that you do not succeed, and I'm going to try and run you out of this unit. Now, he was a general, and I was a major, so I had no leverage against him whatsoever. He was, as we said, the wing king. He was the wing commander. Amen. So all of this trouble that I was facing brought my family back. We bought a house, and now he's telling me he's going to kick me out of the unit. And uh, I tell you, I let it all get to me, and I found myself slipping into a state of depression. Now, I, I can tell you that's significant for me, and my family will vouch for this. I'm about the most even keel guy that you'll ever meet. Twice in my life, I've been depressed. Once when I was a sophomore at NC State, and the second time, this incident in 1997. But I let it weigh me down week after week after week. After several weeks, it got so thick, it was like it was hanging in the atmosphere of our home. And there was a heaviness in the house. And I was completely dominated by this spirit of depression. Listen, if you indulge the flesh long enough, you will open the door to demonic oppression. And that's exactly what I did. My wife came to me. She said, honey, you got to snap out of this. The kids have never seen you like this. you got to show some leadership. They're starting to get scared. What's wrong with daddy, mom? And it really penetrated my heart. And so I was praying in the spirit not too long after my wife had that talk with me. Praise God for wives who will sit you down and tell you what you need to hear. You know what I'm saying? And it goes both ways. But my wife, she spoke the truth to me in love. A couple days later, I'm in the shower. I'm praying in the Spirit. Thank God for praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm always praying in the Holy Ghost so God could get through to me. I'm praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, out of my spirit, I hear these words come out of my mouth. It's time to cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. And I didn't know exactly where it was in the New Testament. I think I knew it was in Romans, but I didn't know exactly where. But I looked it up. And we'll read it to you. Romans 13, verse 11 and 12. This is in the New King James Version. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Amen. Now listen, this is the first time that I've seen that encounter with the Lord, uh, which I haven't shared at all with you yet, but this is the first time that I've seen it in the light of reigning as a king. That's why I'm sharing it to you again. Many of you heard this testimony, but not quite from this angle. This is what the scripture was saying to me. I had been a king sitting in darkness. And it was past time for me to wake up to who I was in Christ 
and act like the king that God created me to be. It was time for me to take dominion. So that night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and the Lord opened my eyes to the spirit realm, and I was able to see into the spirit realm. And I saw at the back wall of the bedroom, there was a dark, swirling, menacing-looking spirit. And I knew on the inside, it was a spirit of darkness and depression. And I also knew I was the one who opened the door and allowed this spirit to come into my home. And listen, I've heard the audible voice of the Lord one time in 1991. But many times, I've heard the audible voice of the Lord in visions and dreams. And this was one of those times. Immediately after the knowledge and the revelation that I was responsible for letting this thing in, I heard the word of the Lord as clear as I'm speaking to you today. He said, how much longer are you going to put up with that? In other words, he made it clear to me that it was my responsibility to take dominion over that wicked spirit because I was the one that allowed him in in the first place. So I pointed to the spirit at the back of our bedroom, and I said, you foul spirit of depression and darkness, get out of my house in the name of Jesus, never come back. He flew straight up the ceiling and out the house, and we never saw him again. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, I don't want to paint too rosy of a picture, because this whole thing started in the flesh. I allowed that spirit to come in, so when he left, when the root was gone, I still had to walk it out in the flesh. I still had days when I felt depressed. But I began to change the way I talked. And I began to declare, I've got a future and a hope at the 917th wing. And the wing commander, he may be king, he may be general, but he can't stand in the way of my destiny. Amen. You give me a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11, and you give me an expected end. Therefore, I say it will end well for me at the 917th wing in Jesus' name. And when I began to talk like that and walk it out, a couple of weeks later, it was as if I'd never been depressed a day in my life. It just lifted. And then all of a sudden, God's favor started restoring to me, started being returned to me. And this wing commander couldn't stop the favor that was coming my way. Eventually, he was reassigned, don't you know? Amen. And we got a new wing commander, and I had complete favor with him. Amen. I rose up the ranks, and, and, and God was good to me, and it was glorious. What a turnaround, because I, I stood up, and I acted like a king in life. I began to reign in life and declare what it is I was believing God for, and I even took several corresponding steps of faith. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, praise the Lord. Glory to God. I hope that encouraged you. Listen to me. I'll wrap it up this way. This is my second wrap up. Some preachers have one or two or three closings. I have like two wrap ups today. Listen, whether it's in the mental realm or whether it's in the physical realm, or whether it's in the financial realm, rather than laying down and letting life bowl you over or letting the devil run roughshod over you, let's decide as the people of God, we're going to rise up like the king that we were created to be, and we're going to take dominion 
over the challenges and the obstacles of this life. Amen. We're going to learn to reign as kings and masters of all life. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's teaching on Kings in Darkness. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>